keysvineyard.com. You can find it there. You can watch or listen to it at any time. And it's on television. Uh, Tuesday and Thursday mornings at 7.30. Sunday mornings at 9 on channel 19 on Uverse, channel 87 on Comcast. And our weeknight show, uh, show weeknight service, there we go again, is, uh, is on Monday and Wednesday mornings as a TV show at 7.30 on the same channels. So everything's recorded and then it's... Uh, also, uh, getting up on UVerse, it's all over South Florida, which is kind of cool. So, we enjoy that. Or anyway, in order to do that, I have to tell, thing, tell them to get started, and then I'll say hello, and we'll launch into it again. All right, guys, I'm ready. Go ahead. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in a series we're doing called Doing. And it's all about following Jesus and what that looks like. But before we hop into the, the message today, uh, we wanted to remind you that we're doing a car wash coming up um, this coming, this next Saturday uh, from 10 to 12. Our car washes are not fundraisers, they're outreaches. Uh, we do them to bless people, and after we wash their cars, we give them a dollar. So we have a little video we want you to see that will let you know what the car wash is all about. Please go ahead and run that video for me. Next car wash coming up, 17th uh, 
You can sign up for it in the foyer. We need a bunch of volunteers to make that happen. It's a lot of fun, so come out and, uh, and be a part of the car wash. I love watching people's reactions. It's a, it's a blast. Now, what, world, what word is always spelled incorrectly? Incorrectly? No? See, I talked this over first with Doug. I had a choice of three. He thought that might be the best one. My other one, um, let's see if I can remember. Oh, the other one was um, uh, Cinderella was really disappointed because her photos didn't show up. But she said, oh, well, one day my prince will come. And then... The other one was about penguins. You know, penguins have a very evolved sort of social order. And when a, when a, penguin, uh, when a penguin dies, the other penguins get around. They actually uh, dig a hole and they, they put the deceased penguin in there. And then they, uh, they all get together and they sing, Freeze a jolly good fellow, freeze a jolly good fellow. Freeze a jolly good So now I'm not sure what to do. I'm torn about tomorrow now. <laughs> we're, uh, as I said, we're in a series called Doing. And uh, uh, we're, we're, we're doing and talking about doing what Jesus did, about following him, about what it means to be a disciple. And, and the very action of the, the idea of a disciple is about doing things. And... and uh, it should spring forth, we've said, from a life of being in relationship with God and others. And we're using for this series the Gospel of Matthew as our foundation. We've been digging through and, and looking at some of the truths it has for us about following Jesus. We've talked already about developing the heart of a disciple, and, and really that's what the, this is really all about, is that our hearts need to be tuned in to what a disciple looks like. Um, we've talked about developing a private relationship with God, which uh, includes, as we, we looked uh, about, you know, praying, giving, forgiving, fasting. We've talked about being thankful. We've also been talking about the importance of developing an eternal perspective over a temporal or temporary one. And that's really the, the big jump that we have to make in, in following Jesus. That's, when you look at what Jesus taught, that's at the, at the basis of a lot of it, is, is looking at life differently, looking at everything differently, getting a kingdom of God focus instead of a, a worldly focus, which is, which is what this jump is all about, moving from the temporal to the eternal. And that, that everything should um, be for us a perspective that comes from the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. Talking about the temporary things. That are, it's, this is what our focus needs to be. And so we've been developing that over these last weeks. And um, in order for the stuff that we need to be doing out of our relationship of being, that perspective has to be fairly entrenched. It really only makes sense. These things only become possible, obviously with the help of the Holy Spirit, but also as our perspective becomes more concerned about the kingdom of God than about temporary things. And then, um, and it's not, see, I think what we struggle with, it's not that we don't live in this world, because we do, and we're to be 
Um, we're to be involved in the world. We don't circle the wagons and keep the world out while we try and do this thing. But it's about knowing that as we are in the world, we're not of the world. Our focus is on the kingdom. And we bring the kingdom into the world, just like Jesus did. That's what he did. He introduced people to the kingdom. He, he, he ushered the kingdom in into people's lives through his, reaction, uh, through his actions with them, through his ministry to them, through his talking to them. And, and that, that's what we're to be doing as well. And, and that the kingdom breaks through um, into the world through us as, as the Holy Spirit gives us the ability and opportunity. And so um, these, this is what it means to be a disciple. Uh, it's about doing. Um, being a disciple is about going and doing. It's not about sitting. It's about going. And, and that, that's what we're all about. We're about going. We're about doing. We're about blessing. We're about reaching out. We're about our mission of one more. We're, we're about those things because we know that that's where life is found, is out in the process of doing these things. So I want to continue on today uh, through Matthew, and uh, we're moving into Matthew 7 today. And we're going to talk about, in, in light of um, a disciple's heart and our new perspectives, how we need to deal with um, a tendency that we have to become judgmental and uh, pharisaical. Uh, Self-righteous is another word. It's a tendency that we have. It's a tendency that the church has had um, from the beginning, uh, and it's it's something that continues to impact the church. And when we get self-righteous and judgmental, and pharisaical, it means once again our focus has shifted away from the kingdom to a very temporary, all about us, very selfish kind of focus. And it comes out in the way that we interact with other people. It's a picture of where our hearts are at. So our scripture reading for today is Matthew 7, uh, the first five verses. I want to read it to you first out of the message paraphrase, just because I, I, I like the message paraphrase. It says this, don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit as a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you, when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling road show mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. And blessed be the word of the Lord. I like that uh, in the paraphrase. Let me read it to you now. In the NIV, um, it's, it's great in the NIV too. You'll you, you probably know it better this way. Uh, it says this, beginning in verse one. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And I, I love that picture too. It's always been one of my favorite pictures. 
in the scripture. You know, Jesus is, is teaching. He's, he's got a lot of people around him. Up, you know, he's, he's been talking there on uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and he's, he's laying out uh, what it means to be a disciple, what it looks like to really follow after God, what, and, and how backwards the religious people of the day have everything. And, and that he's, he's, he's changing it all around and he's turning it upside down. And he's talking about um, our tendencies to be judgmental and self-righteous. And I love that picture. He, he says basically, how can you even begin to see the speck in someone else while you've got a log, that's really a better word, in your own eye. You've got this log in your own eye and you're looking at the specks in other people. And he says, look, before, before you begin dealing with people's specks, you need to work on that log. And the reality is you're working on that log your whole life. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty much your focus is that you, you got your own mess. And so we're, we have to deal with the tendency that we want to look at everybody else's mess and really not look too much at our own. And so this is something that we have to work on. Now, you know, it, it says, there, I want to say this, it says, do not judge. And it's talking about these, these sort of petty things that we look at. This doesn't mean that we don't um, uh, inspect people's fruit, because that's a different operation altogether. Um, because there's some smart in that. You know, you need to know if, if people are relatively safe, and I'm not telling you to turn your knowers off. I'm just saying we have to move away from this critical thing that we so often move into that judges others, and it, and it does it in such a way that we act like we're better than they are. That's really the issue. That's what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's acting like we're better than others. And, and it's been a, a thing that has crippled the church. Um, that attitude has just crippled the church from being effective. Like I said, we, at some point, we traded the ministry we were given of loving others well to pointing out their faults. And as moment, when we did that, we lost our voice. I, I know you've heard me say this before, but it's what we're trying to overcome. We've lost our voice in our culture because we just pointed at them and judged them instead of loving them back into the truth. And so they, you know, you've heard my description of what happened. I think it resonates. They muted us. I don't know any other way to say it. They got, bloop, they just muted us. And now we're just here with our lips moving and they don't hear anything because they muted us. And in, in, in this country, they, they secularized us. They pushed us off onto Sundays. Said, fine, you can, we're not even going to mess with you because we don't have to listen to you anymore. But we're not going to have you in our day-to-day -day lives. We're going to get you out of our governments. We're going to get you out of our schools. We're going to get you out of um, our stores. Uh, I'm not even going to go into the whole... Happy holiday, Merry Christmas thing. But, but you know, you see the transition has happened, and part of it is we, we earned it because we, we became like the Pharisees. And we can, but we can be heard again if we love people well. That's why we're always talking about this is what's demonstrated to us, and this is what Jesus is talking about. So what we have to deal with, first point, is judgmentalism, which is self-righteousness. And what they'll do is they'll cause us not to care about people. That's the hallmark. That's the picture of that. That's how you know when you're in there. You stop caring about other people. Um, you just don't value them anymore. You don't, you don't treat them the way they should. And this is what happened to the Pharisees. Remember, it was a picture of the, the life of the Pharisees. They stopped caring about people altogether um, because they'd lost the connection with God in love. And they just didn't care about it. They weren't trying to make people, um, they weren't trying to make God available to people. They weren't uh, ministering to people. Uh, it was all about them. And what they said was supposed to happen, that's all they cared about. 
And so they, they lost touch with what was happening. And, and Jesus was coming back to straighten that. And see, the reality is, what we have to remember, um, which keeps us from becoming like that, is point A there under one, is that we're all broken. We are all broken. All of us. And, and until we come to grips with our own brokenness, we can't fully develop as disciples. We, we will not be good disciples coming at this thing from a place that thinks that we're not a mess, that we're not broken, that we can somehow do this apart from the ministry of Jesus and the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And so, you know, we're born broken. From our earliest stages in life, our main concerns are pleasure and avoiding pain. That starts from the time you don't even know that you're doing it yet. And, and we live in a fallen world and sin abounds and all of us have sinned in pursuit of pleasure and pain-free living. That's what it's all about. That's why we turn to the stuff that we turn to that we shouldn't because we're, we're trying to avoid pain. We're seeking after pleasure and we do it all illegitimately um, in, in our own ways, trying to do it in our own strength in a temporary way instead of an eternal focus. And, and, then, and then we try and on the outside act like we have it all together when we don't, which is that whole play acting thing, which is, makes it even worse. And in the church, um, and I've talked about this before, but I, I like to bring it up because I think it's a really good picture. B is we're going to talk again about the sin scale. Because um, I, I, I will continue going back to this because I, it's a problem. And, and the sin scale is an imaginary thing that, that's been created it's an invention of the self-righteous. And what it does is we arbitrarily determine on our sin scale that some, skin is, some sin is not really that big a deal and some sin is really, really bad. And we have it laid out on a scale, of an imaginary scale that says, well, this, eh, and this is huge. And, and then we've also got our own scale where you know, usually most of our stuff is pretty small and everybody else's stuff is much bigger. And that's where it's all about, see? And so this scale is out there that doesn't exist. And, you know, one of my favorite examples of that in the church is gossip. Because most people have gossip on the sin scale as a nothing skin. It's like, boop. And the reason I say that is because the church loves to gossip. And, and disguises it in other ways, but we, we love to talk about other people. And, and act like it's nothing and we get drawn into it. I've, I've told you, gossip is very seductive. There's something in it that we have to check ourselves in because it, there's something at, at, that somehow in, in joining in the seduction of gossip that makes us feel a part of something, but it's so illegitimate that we've, we've just got to see it for what it is and stop it. And, and it has to be stopped. And yet, because we don't think it's a big deal, we... And, and yet, in the Bible, you know, gossip is mentioned more than most of the other stuff. It, it gossip, you know, gossip divides families, it divides churches, it divides communities, it ruins people. Because the, the thing about gossip is that nobody ever goes back and fixes it. Somebody starts with a juicy piece of gossip, and out it goes, and when it's corrected, they never start it again with, oh, well, that wasn't right. You never hear it again. And it's, it just lays out there and it ruins people. It's got to stop with us. See, and it's, it, that's one of those things that, that we need to get a hold of. What did I hear? Why dogs make such good friends? Because they wag their tails and not their tongues. Anyway. All right, so 
Sin is sin. You got to get a hold of that. Now, and, and we have to have all that in. Okay, well, we're all a mess. Then, you know, we can, we could go down the list of other things, but the idea is, okay, I get it. So we're all broken too, and there's no reason we should be acting better than anybody else. So what do we do? Um, Jesus' disciples love people differently than the world does. And so second point is loving like disciples. Loving like disciples. He goes on in Matthew 7 and gives us this amazing verse that is at the heart of this whole thing. So in everything, Matthew 7, 12. So in everything, everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So in every, this is one of those things, simple scripture that's supposed to be the, um, one of the major guide posts for us as disciples. So in everything, treat people the way you want to be treated. Now, that's the golden rule. The problem is that the cultures shifted that. And, and rather than operating under the golden rule, they operate under the law of reciprocity. And what's that? The law of reciprocity, reciprocity twists the golden rule a little bit. So instead of treating others how you want to be treated, it said treat others the way they treat you. It seems pretty subtle. But see, that's not kingdom of God stuff. That's the culture stuff. And the problem that exists with it is why for our society it's fairly important that that law of reciprocity is in effect. We're called to a higher standard. As kingdom people, as disciples, we're called to love people regardless of what's coming back at us. That's why Jesus says things like love your enemies. That's not the law of reciprocity. That's the golden rule. So, so what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to treat people, always treat people the way we want to be treated, not the way they treat us back. How they treat us is between them and God. There's nothing you can do about that. All you can do is treat them the way you want to be treated. See, this is a huge thing, and you, it's impossible. It's impossible without the Spirit of God. It's also impossible if your focus isn't on the eternal. Because if you're focused more on the temporary, you will, you will absolutely go after people the way they go after you. And you can't even begin the process until you've started the switch and said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go seek first the kingdom. And in the kingdom, how those people are treating me doesn't, it doesn't matter. All that matters in the kingdom is how I treat them. Do you get the difference? See, that's the difference. And it's huge. But we, we, we have to incorporate it into our lives. It's a simple enough verse, but it can't be twisted by the culture. And so, so we can't love like that. It's a, we can't operate like that. It's not what love looks like. It's not how disciples love. And, and all of us, it's one of those things we need to be looking at all the time. Not only our, you know, our judgmentalism, but also in this regard, are we operating under the golden rule or are we operating under the law of reciprocity? And we need to switch. If we're, if we're operating under the law of reciprocity, we need to start operating under the golden rule. And if someone is mean to you, don't be mean back. That's what they're expecting. Do you get it? You know, and you have so many opportunities with people in your life, do you know most of the time when someone is nasty to you and ugly to you, it's because they're a mess um, and, and they have their own stuff going on and that's their own self-protective mechanisms coming out at you. Do you know if you can work past that, you often get opportunities to, to move into people's lives that are unimaginable and that's what we're called to. But if you react to it and you treat them back the same way, you're done, they just shut you off too. You're just like everybody else. 
So I, I, I say those, and I'm concerned. It doesn't mean we need to be abused either. You don't have to let, but you don't treat them back. You, you maintain the way you want to be treated with them. Um, that doesn't mean that you can't say no, because um, no is reasonable. Some people get all messed up here, and then they go, well, it's, it's not about saying yes to everything either. There's, there's very legitimate no's. God does it all the time. How do I know? I pray, and a lot of times I get no. Um, it's, it's not a bad answer. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm, don't take these things to a point. We don't get pushed around either at the same point. We always want to treat people the way we want to be treated, with respect, uh, benefit of the doubt, you know, all those things. That's how we want to treat people in the process. Again, like I said in the beginning, don't turn off your knowers, though. There are some people that just aren't safe. There's evil out there that we need to be aware of. Okay. So, in order to do that, remember this. We've talked about this, but I'm bringing it up again. This rule works, um, A, when you see the beauty of people's potential. Always how we got to look at people. The beauty of their potential it needs to be on the forefront of your mind. I haven't brought the term up for a while. I'm bringing it up again. I don't want to lose it. You always have to look and see the beauty of people's potential. That's how God sees you. It's one of the most amazing things that he does for us is that he sees the beauty of our potential. Aren't you glad that he does that for you? And that he's done that all along? I mean, I don't know about you, but where he took me from, and there's a lot of work to be done yet, that he saw something in me that nobody else ever saw. Because he, that's how he looks at us. That's what Jesus did. When Jesus looked at sinners, he looked past their sin and saw the beauty of their potential. And, and in the process, he never condoned sin. He never said it was okay. He just didn't let sin be the focus. And he didn't label people by their sin. And that's the other big thing we've got to be careful of, labeling people by their sin. Don't, if, you, if you see someone and you label them by their sin, stop. Because you won't see them any longer as a person. You'll deal with them by that label. And you'll treat them differently. And, it, and they'll know it right off the bat. They'll just absolutely know it. The other thing about this kind of love is that it's grace-filled. And it's what Jesus exemplified in his life. A grace-filled life. Jesus loved people. And see, people knew it. That's why all these people that were such a mess wanted to hang out with Jesus. Do you ever check that out? They followed him everywhere. They went, and they were in all sorts of mess in their lives, and, and yet they wanted to be around him. This was God in the flesh. This was holiness personified. This was Jesus, the creator of that. This here he was, and people wanted to be around him. He was so different than the Pharisees that nobody wanted to be around. He was, and, and, and he always spoke the truth, but see, he loved people so much they wanted to change. And that's what the church is supposed to be like. And we're just, we, we just fall so short of that so often because the, we become like the Pharisees. And so we, we have to figure this out. This balance is what it looks like. It, it doesn't mean that there's not right and wrong because there is. We talked about this during the week in our study of, of, of uh, Romans. Um, it, it just, it's not. The thing is, right and wrong isn't the focus. Love is. So that's the difference. That's what Paul was saying in, in, in Romans. Go back in, in or First Corinthians, I'm sorry, we were looking, and we were looking in chapters eight and nine, and they had a doctrinal issue, and, and he, he said, you know, okay, there is a, there's always a right and a wrong, but, but there's some balance somewhere, and yet the issue is love. It has to be done in love. Everything needs to be covered in love. That's what has to happen with us. It doesn't take sin lightly, but it understands that people are only really healed from their brokenness in the context of a loving relationship with God. That's the only thing that ever makes people change, is that, that loving relationship with God.
And so to love like disciples are supposed to, we, we have to be people who are always challenging our own judgmentalism and self-righteousness while trying to love and see people the way that God does. And that's what it looks like to be a disciple through the beginning of Matthew chapter 7. And it's good stuff to work on this week. Be praying about those things. Think about those things. Simple things, I think, to kind of ponder. Beauty of people's potential. Self-righteousness. And the difference. And what it looks like. And, and get rid of a sin scale in your life. You don't, you don't want that happening in your life at all. Okay. Uh, that's enough for today. That's a good place to stop. Ponder those things. If you're watching on TV or by video, thank you for watching. God bless you all. If there's anything we can do for you, call us, write us, email us. We'll do whatever we can to help. We'll be praying for you. And uh, thank you for being a part of what we're doing. We will close here tonight with prayer.